are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7000. 502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 1067 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call 334-321-1390. Our text line at 334-564-1840. Lance, how you doing today, my man? Fantastic, Noah. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. We got a fun show for everybody today. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to be going through some picks. Obviously, we've got a really big matchup uh, between Auburn and Penn State tomorrow. Going to be continuing to break that down as we have been all week. Going to give our final thoughts. And then we've got some other really fun games to get to. And also, we're going to have Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com on with us. I know he's up there in Pennsylvania right now. Going to be at the game tomorrow. Going to ask him about just the sites and what's going on. It's going to be a really good show. We've got Jeremy Law of RadioAlabamaSports.net with us. Jeremy, how you doing today? Man, what a what a great week it's going to be when you talk about college football on a Saturday. Auburn at Penn State, Alabama at Florida, State of Alabama on the road, man. Super excited to get into this show today. Here are the callers, their predictions, you guys' predictions. It's going to be a fun weekend of college football. Well, Jeremy, you wanted a free-for-all Friday today, so you started off. What do you want to start off with as a topic for today's show? Man, I think we should start off with the the, the Twitter beef between Auburn and Penn State fans, <laughs> and who has the best environment, who has the um, who has the best fan base. Is the whiteout better than the swag surf at Jordan Hare? Man, this is such an intriguing matchup because you could see this game between Auburn and Penn State propelling one team throughout the rest of the year, and maybe just putting a damper on what one of these two teams thought could be a great year. Um, so you don't want to be on the losing end of this one. Auburn going into a very tough environment. I've never been to a whiteout, so who am I to say it's the toughest place to play in college football? I have been to Jordan-Hare in, in an Iron Bowl. I was in the Auburn student section for the kick six. It's by far one of the toughest places to play in all of college football. Man, this Auburn-Penn State game is just so intriguing because I do feel like there's a lot on the line for both teams. Yeah, absolutely. And when you talk about the Twitter beef, I mean, we were talking about this on yesterday's show. It has just been back and forth. Just some some stuff, obviously, lighthearted and in good fun, but just some serious back and forth on Twitter. Seen a lot of great memes. Seen a lot of great stats thrown out there as well. Seen a lot of great quotes. We saw Joe Burrow actually said it back in 2018. He was like, yeah, this Auburn environment trumps Penn State. He specifically said that after playing uh, against Auburn. Auburn and Jordan-Hare, like you said, Auburn's got one of the toughest road environments in all of college football for opposing teams. When you look at Penn State, obviously I think the crowd's going to be a factor, but not as much, I think, as some people think. And it's been really fun to see Auburn fans and Penn State fans kind of go back and forth. I do want to point out, though, if I were to jump into the Twitter beef, all I want to point out is Penn State has a 500 record in their wideout so far. I'm just saying. They're eight splitting eight. it 50-50 right now. Yeah, God, you think – if you're going to do something special, you got to make not you obviously have to do it on a big game and you have a higher chance of losing the big games. But at some point, the whiteout to me doesn't become as big a deal if, if you're a 500 team. And then 
I think they're less than 500 in their last six or seven that they've done at Penn State. Uh, listen, they're they're an okay team. This is a team that was bad last year until the end of the year when they played the bottom feeders of the Big Ten. They reeled off four in a row. And then they come back here. They have a top 15 win against Wisconsin. They played Ball State last week. We know a lot about Auburn. I don't think we know as much as everybody thinks they know about Auburn because of the teams they've played. And a lot of teams have played those types of teams. It's no shot at Auburn. They look phenomenal over the first two weeks. But when you talk about a measuring stick game, I think this is much more of a measuring stick game than the Alabama-Florida game. This is a game that after this football game Saturday night in Happy Valley, you're going to know everything you need to know about both of these football teams. Absolutely, yeah. And when you look at this matchup, you know, a lot of people are pinning this, and I talked about this earlier in the show, as a potential statement for the SEC. After seeing what Arkansas did uh, against Texas, I believe if Auburn won this game, the SEC would have four non-conference wins over top 15 opponents. It would be Clemson, Miami, Texas, and then Penn State. It seals the deal for dominance in the SEC this year. Absolutely, yeah. I think a lot of people need to go into this game with the mindset of like, okay, like you just said, I think it's going to tell the tale for both these two teams. And then I think for the college college football as a whole, because if we see Auburn go out there and win in any shape or form, I think you look at the SEC, and I'll, I know that there's been some questions over the past couple of years about whether or not the SEC has been able to maintain its grip on the rest of college football. But if Auburn won this game, I think it would just further solidify it, especially this season. Yeah, and to me, guys, you know, I maybe I'm just such an SEC homer. Maybe I've watched Auburn closely over the first two weeks. I just feel like if this game was on a neutral site or in, if it's on a neutral site, I, I for some reason I'd like Auburn by ten plus. For I just don't know if this Penn State offense is going to keep up. If this one's in Jordan Hare, I think it's a two touchdown game. I'm not sure how big of a um, a deal the whiteout is. Like you said, they're five and they're eight, they're five hundred all time. Eight and eight in whiteout games. To me, if this game is not in Happy Valley, man, I'm taking Auburn all the way. I think that Auburn's much improved. Bo Nix is much improved. Still have some work to do, and I think in pass protection a little bit. But, man, if this game's not in Happy Valley, I'm looking at it, and I'm taking Auburn all the way. I think it's going to be a tight one. We won't give away our scores, but, man, I, I, I just think – I don't know if y'all think this. I think Auburn's a little better. I do. I think Auburn's a little better football team going into Saturday than Penn State. Well, you- I think after Saturday, you'll see that Auburn's a lot better, and that's coming from a Bama fan and you, Jeremy, that you're you're <laughs> putting a lot of hope there on Auburn. So that that's interesting. People should take that, Lance. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, obviously this environment's going to going to affect Auburn and like you said, I feel like when you go break it down on paper and if you missed any of our shows this week, you can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. We had some great analysis Noah did on this Penn State team statistically. I feel like Auburn matches up well in a lot of different areas and like you said, Jeremy, I feel like Auburn's just a little bit better of a football team, but if Penn State's going to get something going in this game and they're going to win it, what are you looking at that's going to get them over the hump? Well, they're, they're going to have to stop the run game. And if they stop the run game and force Bo Nix to have to throw, listen, you cannot beat around the bush on Bo Nix. And, and truly, he is not, I don't want to say how bad he's been on the road, but he has not been a good road quarterback. And the problem with that is an SEC play, man, Auburn's going to play some good teams on the road every single year. And you somehow you catch Penn State on the road this year. If Penn State can stop the run and they can put this game in Bo Nix's hands, who I do think is much improved, but this Penn State defense, I think, is pretty good. So if Penn State has a chance in this game, you got to take Tank Bigsby away. You know, all the coaches will tell you, they need to, you can't let Tank Bigsby just go out there and run for 200. You're going to lose the game. 
You got to take him away and make Bo Nix win the game. And I'm not saying Bo Nix can't win the game. Past the past tells us that he probably can't win this game on the road. I do think he's much improved. If they take the run away from Auburn, this is going to be a tough game uh, for Auburn to win. But I'm just trying to figure out on offensively what's Penn State going to do. We know Auburn's a good defensive team. They have good defensive backs, great pair of middle linebackers. What is Penn State going to be able to do with Sean Clifford and a bunch of receivers that we've really never heard of? I mean, if I somebody asked me today, guys, name eight Penn State players from the last <laughs> three years, and I, I came up with fours. Um, for I came up with four guys, so I don't know. I mean, you may, may expand that out to five years. Name eight Penn State players off the top of your head. You can't do it. So I, I don't know. The, the star power to me is with Auburn. Um, and I, like I said, I just think they're a little better. Yeah, Lance over here, the sports almanac probably could give you eight, but I'm with you. Penn State hasn't been. Five. Yeah, there you go. Penn State hasn't been. It seems like the trajectory for Penn State has began to go on a little bit of a downturn with James Franklin at the top. I don't know if last year was a was a fluke. I don't know if last year was just some random thing that occurred for the Penn State program, which makes this game seem like it's really interesting for that USC job that's opened up out west. James Franklin is a good football coach, man. He got he got Vandy up to that's eight true. wins. Didn't he win three bowl games in a row with Vanderbilt? I mean, in, or at least, at least made three bowl games. So, I mean, that is impressive. But And two years ago, 2019, whatever, I mean, they had a really good year. Don't get me wrong. But it does feel like um, that the talent level is kind of squandered down a little bit there. And they've recruited okay, but so has Auburn over the last five years outside of last year. I mean, talent level, leaning towards Auburn, the the explosive athletes obviously going to lean towards Auburn. And I think you I think when you talk maybe just a pure playmaker at quarterback with but what Bo Nix might be able to bring you with his legs if he is in trouble, you lean towards that in Auburn. So I mean uh, it's gonna be a fun game at six o'clock. There's so much to dig into in this one. You have the distractions with James Franklin. Is he out the door? Is would USC? Are they really going to make a run at him? I think that's I think that's a much bigger deal in this game than a lot of people were thinking. Imagine you're Penn State players. You're you're going to run out on the field in front of a, nearly 110,000 or so people, and you're not you're not sure if your coach wants to be there. Uh, to me, I, I think I think that goes a long way in college sports when you're dealing with 18 to 22 year old kids. And all the other reported head coaching candidates out there for the USC job are saying that they're not thinking about it or they're saying no chance I end up over there, whereas at Penn State, you don't get that same vibe. I feel like James Franklin is definitely um, in the mix with that one. He feels like a West Coast guy. Listen, he's a guy with some swag, if you will. He is a He's a good coach. He can probably go 9-3 and three every year at USC, which right now feels like a – uh, really good for them to, to compared to what they've been for the last decade. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's going to be a big distraction. And how much of a distraction has it been for him going into this game? And then, Lance, you could turn that around and say, James Franklin, if he wants to stay in the mix for this job, probably needs to play this one as close as he can with Auburn. Yeah, absolutely. Yesterday on Twitter, Audrey Snyder uh, had a video. She asked a question to James Franklin about the USC job, and it was him explaining why he doesn't just say no to any of the speculation. And then somebody on Twitter, at all Auburn, uh, quote tweeted it and said, quote, no, I have zero intention on going to USC, and I'm fully committed to Penn State, and I'm 100% not leaving. 
that's what you would say if you weren't at least entertaining the idea. So I agree with you. It's obviously some form of a distraction. And then on top of that, you talk about James Franklin being a good coach, and he has had success at the stops that he's been at, but he's also commented about this Auburn team is going to be difficult to evaluate because the tape is challenging. He said this uh, earlier in the week, quote, it makes it a little bit challenging on the tape to evaluate with a new head coach and new coordinators. What are we watching? Are we watching Boise State film, Vanderbilt film, Georgia film, Colorado State film, South Carolina film? And what do you get when you watch all of those examples and formations of situational football? And with this season, you just don't have a lot to work with because Auburn's been into blowouts. When you get into a game and it's a blowout early on, those late game reps are not as important in your breakdown because I don't know if they're realistic as, a, as information as you would get under a different, different scenario. So he's got outside distractions and he's got questions about how to evaluate this team right now. So Auburn, I feel like, has set themselves up both on paper and both whenever you see what's going on around both these programs heading into this matchup, they've set themselves up to 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 pull an upset if they want to. Also, on top of that, I think Auburn knows more about themselves, obviously, because you know they're with themselves all throughout right. the, all throughout the day. You know, they Auburn knows more about themselves and has a, developed an identity through these first two weeks than maybe other teams in college football would know at this at this point they've gotten to work on things against Alabama State they've gotten to work on things against Akron Ellis don't say you know that we know everything that we need to know about Auburn and that Auburn's just gonna because of these first two blowouts that Auburn's a great football team or not because we don't know that but what I'm trying to say is Auburn probably feels really comfortable about their game plan going into this they've gotten to practice it for an extra two weeks of fall camp right and they can legitimately go into this game saying that nobody knows what we're going to do. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out why Penn State would schedule Auburn week three as opposed to week one. I mean, uh, you know, Auburn has had time to build confidence. This, this would not have been an Auburn win if these two teams played week one in Happy Valley. But give Auburn two weeks to settle in, Give get tank, you know, get his legs moving, get loose. Let Bo Nix build some confidence like he did against Akron. Didn't have a great stat line last week, but I thought he put some balls on the money that the Auburn receiver should have caught. And I think one of those would have been a touchdown. They've let this Auburn team build some confidence in Penn State. They've been battle tested a little bit this year. I mean, they they won at Camp Randall. So I don't think we should completely dismiss that. Um, they did beat a top 15 team on the road in a very tough place to play in an 11 o'clock or I guess a new, maybe a noon kickoff there, whatever the time frame is. But in an early morning kickoff situation and they came out and they dominated the second half and they got that win. But to me, man, I'm just sitting here looking at this. There's distractions. James Franklin can't deny that he wants the job. And we talk about that. I mean, you, you know, people hate Nick Saban because he said he's not coming to Alabama. But was it best for the Miami Dolphins for him to say, yeah, I'm interested in my in, in going to back to college in Alabama? James Franklin should have sat at the podium. And I listened to an interview with that beat writer earlier today, Lance. She was really good, really insightful about how um, this game uh, could possibly go. And she didn't sound too confident about Penn State either. But James Franklin should have sat in that press conference and said that he has absolutely no interest in the Southern Cal job leading into, to me, what is the – they're going to have some chance to win some games later on down the road if you know things go well for them. But this is such, such an important game early in the year for both of these teams. And James Franklin, mind, his, his mind feels like it's in other places. Or at least take the Eric Bieniemy route, the Chiefs right. offensive coordinator, to say, I'm focused on blank opponent this week and Correct. go the Bill Belichick route and say, just one sentence, period. And then if they ask you the same question, do the exact same thing. Just yeah, keep just, shutting it down. 
just say, hey, this is this press conference is about Auburn, Penn State. If you have, if you don't have a question like this, talk to the bottle. You know, pull it, pull a statement. But this is about <laughs> this particular game, and he he wouldn't do. I think he needed to do it for his team. And there's a man, and there's so many other things going into this game, right? It's not just about James Franklin and USC, but what a horrible time for this USC job to open and your name to be a part of it. Well, I'll say not on not only on top of that about James Franklin and maybe some of this coaching staff not being completely focused on this Auburn team I don't feel like the majority of the media is focused on the right matchups and the right things in this game because earlier Justin Ferguson even tweeted this out Sports Center is about to have a segment called how Penn State can beat Auburn as if the team in question isn't favored higher ranked and playing at home it feels everybody's worried about Penn State and there's a lot of concern it feels like just a lot of tension on that side whereas with Auburn I feel like based on what I've seen a lot of fans are really confident going into this game. Yeah, you know, Paul Feinbaum comes out earlier, was it late last night or earlier today, and says maybe we're putting a little too much stock in Auburn. And isn't that why this game is so fun? Because a lot of people think they know, and then a lot of people think they don't know. So you're going to have a lot of people saying, I'm right, you were wrong, or I was wrong, you're right at the end of all of this. But, I mean, it just feels like there's so much unknown. And, and, and I do feel like that... If Penn State wasn't Penn State, would they be ranked where they are right now after going four and five last year? Um, I don't think they'd be in the top ten. What are they? Are they ten? They are right at ten. I don't think they'd be ten. They might be top 20, 17, 18. This would probably be a more of an evenly um, ranked matchup, probably 19 versus 20, 21 or so. But I, I think if they're not Penn State, they're not that. I mean, we are literally talking about a team that was very, very, very average last year. They gave up right out about the same amount of points they scored per game. They were like 55th in total offense, total defense, scoring defense, I mean, and and scoring offense. I mean, they were all right there, middle of the pack in the FBS. And I've just been sitting here trying to figure out, much like I was trying to figure out why Miami had so much hype going into the Alabama game, is why is there so much hype around this Penn State team that truly has no star power? It doesn't feel like they have a guy that they're going to, that they can say, all right, go beat Auburn. I don't see it. I just don't see it. It's definitely not their quarterback. Um, he's a 56% completion guy. Um, they're going to be in a from lot last of year. Tens, which isn't good. I mean, I just don't see it on their depth chart. Let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we will take a look at some of the other football games happening around the country. We get into Saturday selections. We'll be making some picks when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports on with us for the entire show today. A free-for-all Friday, and if you want to call in, 334-321-1390. Our text line at 334-564-1840. We got some guests coming up throughout the show as well. We got Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com coming up at 2.30. He's up at University Park in State College, Pennsylvania, we're going to get to know what the scene is like. We're going to ask him about the ball game as well for our weekly Friday guest, Christian Clemente. And then in hour number two, we'll hear from Lee Scott football head coach Buster Daniel, as well as Auburn High Sports Network play-by-play announcer Scott Bagwell for some of the high school games going on in the area this Friday night. But let's get into Saturday selections. Lance, you and I did not have good weeks last week. I will not disclose my record. Yes, I will. I went four and seven. You went five and six so that has brought our overall records for this year 20 and 10 for you and sting and then i am 18 and 12 
and second there last week just went completely against the grain a lot of upsets and a lot of non-favorites were covering or winning outright and I thought that week one was a bad week when when we went like nine and three or something like that. I was like, oh, no, no, sir. No, sir. It can get a lot worse than that. Now we got to improve. Jeremy, you ready? Ready to go, guys. All right, let's start off two Friday games. And I think they are pretty interesting Friday games tonight. So if you're not at a high school football game, your excuse better be that you're watching college football. UCF seven point favorites at Louisville, 6.30 p.m. ESPN. Gus Malzahn with a chance to add another. I don't want to say it's a major win or anything like that because Louisville is certainly not those Louisville teams that were ranked, right? That They are not one of the better teams in the ACC, but there's at least a name there. And Gus Malzahn can at least say, hey, my UCF squad beat a power five team if we even want to call Louisville that at this point. But uh, UCF tried to get out to be 3-0. And I think that UCF's going to be able to do that. I'm going to pick the Golden Knights to win this game. Look, Louisville only managed to score 30 points against Eastern Kentucky after losing to Ole Miss. Uh, You look at the final score, I don't think it indicates just how lopsided that game was. Ole Miss just looked like such a more complete team than Louisville. I really want Louisville to be better. I like their head coach. I like their quarterback. I like the pieces that they have. I just don't know if I like it against Gus Malzahn. I think these are the type of games that he comes into. It's very similar like the way, when Auburn would play Arkansas. It's just you're going to go out there and you're going to execute against a team that just doesn't know how to execute. So I think Dillian Gabriel is going to have a good game. I think that UCF takes this one. Is there a lot of defense in this matchup? Probably not. I don't think so, but that's remi- that'll uh, be be seen uh, just here in a few hours. You say but that, but I don't think the UCF defense played poorly against Boise State a couple of weeks ago. I think Boise State is averaging sixty nine points a game right now. <laughs> I'll just they dropped a ton on the the How opponent that, that they possible? played. They dropped a ton on the opponent. They would that have they had played. to have dropped like a hundred points on UTEP last week for that to be true. It was brutal. I'm gonna go go and check on that because that cannot be because they scored like 24 on. It was according to uh, it was according to NCAA.com. So I I, I questioned that initially. They uh, they scored 54 against UTEP. So yeah, no, so they're not averaging 69. <laughs> Good job NCAA.com. <laughs> wow. All right, UCF is who I'm taking to this one. I think Gus Malzahn pushes to three and zero. Louisville not a lot there to offer on defense. We saw Ole Miss be able to torch them. There's a lot of quality there on that UCF offense with Dylan Gabriel leading them. I'll take the Knights to charge on. Jeremy, who you got? Yeah, Penn, uh, James Franklin should have taken a page out of the Gus Malzahn book of denying coaching rumors. I, I like <laughs> UCF. I probably take this at. I might. T- I might have taken this at minus nine and a half for UCF. I think they're a much better football team than Louisville. Louisville team is they're bad and they're going to go on the road and they're going to win this one by ten plus. Maryland at Illinois, 8 p.m. FS1. I like this Maryland football team a lot. Talia Tugavaloa has really came into himself right now. He is throwing the football around the yard. Maryland right now averaging 339 pass yards per game. It isn't against scrubs either. They at least played West Virginia in week one. This Maryland team's good. Watch out when in a couple of weeks they'll be undefeated and they'll be playing an undefeated Iowa team I'm calling upset in a couple of weeks for that game as well but in this one on the road Maryland seven point favorites against 
an Illinois team that the wheels are falling off already for Bielema. I'll take the Terrapins. Lance? In the past, we've seen Maryland come out the gates in the first couple of games and play really, really well offensively. And then they will go in and they will play somebody like a Temple that we expect them to go in and beat, and they will fall apart. I don't believe that that's the same case this season. You mentioned uh, Tunga Vailoa, six touchdowns, zero interceptions, 606 yards passing so far this season. He looks good. He looks really, really good. And then, like you mentioned, Illinois, the wheels kind of falling off. They lost to UTSA uh, earlier in the in the season, and then lost to Virginia, forty-two to fourteen last week. I'm going to take Maryland to win this game, and the line is currently set at seven. But like Jeremy said, I think that this Maryland team's a lot better than Illinois, and I think they cover. Jeremy, yeah, well, you got to remember, Mike Loxley started this high-scoring affair for Alabama. He was the he. They went from Brian Dable at thirty-two a game or so to getting over forty. And he's got a good quarterback, and 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 now a veteran. Talia at Alabama wasn't going to cut it last year. Rough year. Talia is going to be a veteran, a solid quarterback here in in the league. I I really like Maryland in this one. Moving on, I'm assuming all of us are going to take Oklahoma to beat Nebraska. Will we all agree with that statement? Yes. Okay, that game at 11 a.m. on Fox. Jeremy. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I thought we just all picked Oklahoma. <laughs> That's right, yeah, uh, Oklahoma yeah. for sure. You're talking about the wheels falling off. Look at Nebraska. That's right. Number eight, Cincinnati, three-and-a-half-point favorites at Indiana, 11 a.m. ESPN. This one initially was a tough one for me, but this is one of those games that Cincy has circled on the schedule where they have to go out there and they have to make a statement. I think Cincinnati goes out there and wins this game. The offense has not been the most consistent thing for Cincinnati so far. I'll, I'll admit that, but I think this is a far more complete team than Indiana is at this point. I don't know how much Michael Penix Jr. is going to be able to rebound. I think the Bearcats go on the road in this one, and I think that it's a close game for the majority of the, of the game, but I think they eventually pull out a win. Jeremy? Cincinnati's got the better quarterback, and Luke Fickle's trying to keep his name in the mix uh, for that USC job. I, I like Cincinnati. I'll take Cincinnati in this one as well. Look at Pro Football Focus on the back end here at some of their betting stuff. Supposedly 87% of the cash, 85% of the tickets going towards Cincinnati. That tells me a lot of people believe in this Cincinnati team. The smart people believe in this Cincinnati team. I'll ride with Cincinnati on this one. The line is is low, though. Three and a half points for the Bearcats. I think maybe that could be some vestiges of folks still believing in this Indiana football team and that is very important for them to bounce back in this ball game yeah absolutely and this was a team that we were really high on coming into the season it seemed like a lot was going to work out for them you bailed and I bailed hard I bet <laughs> like like two days before the season started like, I no. was like nope I'm out gut gut feeling says this is a bad time to pick Indiana I turned out to be right week one but I didn't feel good about it on the other side of this break, we got Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. He'll tell us what it's like up there in State College, Pennsylvania. He's at the Penn State game. We'll be back with more of On the Line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Back on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. No Gardner and Lance Dahl with you for the Friday edition of On the Line. Prepping for that big matchup up in Pennsylvania, Auburn, Penn State, and we've got someone up there in University Park. How you doing today, Christian? What's up, my man? Not much. I'm out here. It is a uh, 
it's a chaotic scene at the restaurants, at the bars, just in the area here. Hopefully you guys can hear me pretty well. I can hear you a little bit, but it's, there's a ton of people here. <laughs> Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us. Our boots on the ground up north. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Christian, uh, what's the scene like up there? I mean, I'm sure it's uh, there, there's a lot of Auburn folks up there flying in. Probably if they didn't last night, they're coming in today. Uh, how many Auburn folks have you seen up there, and what's it like? Yeah, no, I've seen a ton of Auburn folks so far. Uh, my entire flight last night from Detroit into the State College Airport was just all Auburn fans, so they got a little bit of a War Eagle chant going while we were at the gate in Detroit. But there's been a fair amount of Auburn fans, but as you would expect, there's a ton of Penn State fans. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really expect the scene on Friday to be quite like it is today. It is, it is insane up here. I mean, Auburn does not even really compare to the scene up here. Take me through what the Penn State fan base is like because the two have been clashing on Twitter, not to say that that is a great uh, indicator of what people are like in the real world, of course, but I've been hearing a lot of stories of, uh, of great folks and a good time so far. Yeah, so far everybody's been really nice up here. Um, you know, there's been some some competitiveness, I guess you could say, between the fan bases at the bars and at the restaurants, but everyone's been pretty nice, and, I mean, it's been a really great atmosphere to be around. Well, let's get into the actual ball game then, of course. Tomorrow, big game for Bonex, and we've been talking about this all week. On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the most confident Look, the bar may be low for his road performances, but on a scale of 1 to 10, and once again, 10 being the most confident, how confident are you that Bo Nix has his best road performance of his career tomorrow at Penn State? Ooh, that's a good one. I'm going to go with a 6, maybe. That's I feel what like a little more confident. Yeah, I feel a little more confident that it will happen than it won't. But, I mean, we've seen some of the issues that Bo has had throughout his past few years at Auburn be fixed, at least so far. He hasn't really thrown off his back foot too much. He's actually gone through some progressions, playing a little bit less backyard football and just looking more like a pro-style quarterback out there. So I do believe he has a way better chance to have a good road performance than a bad one. But obviously with this whiteout atmosphere, it's going to be hard to tell. Do you think it's more important for Auburn to go out early and try and establish a little bit of rhythm in the passing game with Bo Nix, maybe get some short throws going? Or do you think it's more important for Auburn to stick with Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter on the ground until things eventually open up? Uh, I would go with Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter, and I think that's going to be the game plan tomorrow. Auburn knows what they have with Tank Bigsby, and they feel really confident what they have with Jarquez Hunter. Obviously, Sean Shivers, I don't think it's going to be there from what we've heard, but they feel good about the running backs that they have. His offensive line, it's actually graded out better in pass blocking so far in these first two games, but I think we all know they're a better run blocking unit. So take advantage of really what you have there with Tank Bigsby, get going there, and then when you need to, then go to bonus. Take me through how you expect this game to play out tomorrow. Early stages. I know you're talking about running the football. Penn State rush defense. What do you think about it? Yeah, so I think this is going to be, well, to be honest, I could see this game going just about any direction. I could see a high-scoring game. I could see a game that finishes like 10-7. to 7. But more realistically, what I've been saying is somewhere in like the 21-17 to 17 range or something like that. I think Auburn's defense is outstanding. I think they're going to cause a turnover or maybe even two for Sean Clifford. And the same could be said for Penn State's defense with Bo Nick. I think it's going to be a defensive slugfest. But at the end of the day, I don't know if Penn State is going to be able to run the ball as well as Auburn will with Tank Bixby.
And at the end of the day, they may have to throw a lot with Sean Clifford, like you mentioned there. My question to you is, do you think that Penn State's going to come out and play, play aggressive? Do they take those shot plays, or do they play it conservative and just kind of get a feel for what this Auburn defense wants to do? Yeah, I mean, if I were Penn State, I don't know if they're going to do this. If I were Penn State, I would take some of those shots. I think one of the weaknesses of this Auburn team is safety for the Auburn defense, let's say. Both Monday has historically struggled in coverage a little bit. By Darius Knighton, it looks Honestly, a little lost out there so far these first few games. So they have switched to Zion Pocket with Darius Tennyson and played a little bit back there too. So that second safety spot is still kind of up in the air. If I were Penn State, I would look to take some shots down the field, see if their receivers and Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington can get past them in these strong Auburn corners and then blow past those Auburn safeties. I don't know if that's what they'll end up doing, but I think that would be the best plan of attack. Of course, looking at some statistics on Pro Football Focus, this Penn State football team likes to blitz. How do you expect Auburn to handle that? Yeah, I think they're going to handle it what we've seen so far this year. Uh, those two tight ends, or at least one tight end, maybe two tight end sets out there almost every time. I think that's been one of the really big strengths so far of this Auburn coaching staff that they recognize. You know, the offensive line might not excel at pass blocking. Let's make sure we have at least one tight end out there two at times and try and give Bo Nix a little bit more time. So I would expect to see a heavy dosage of tight ends out there, maybe even more than we've seen so far involved in the passing game. I think that's something that Auburn has really been holding on to so far through the first two games, and they didn't want to show too much of Something that we've been talking on, uh, about on the show throughout the week is the way Auburn's going to try and get after Sean Clifford. We've mentioned that most of Auburn's blitzes have just kind of been bull rushing and kind of collapsing the pocket from the interior. How much do you, do we see Derek Hall and Colby Wooden get involved off the edge? Is that going to be a factor, or is it more Auburn's going to try and continue to do what they've done so far this season, which is blitz from the inside? No, I certainly think they're going to try and go off the edge a little bit. I mean, Derek Hall... You can put Colby Wooden out there on the edge, as you mentioned. T.D. Moultrie has looked fantastic this year. You have Eku Leota. You have Romello Height, who's graded out really well week one and was strong week two as well. So I think Auburn's going to use a variety of different ways to attack Sean Clifford. And I think that's going to be really where Derek Mason excels. He's really good at finding different ways to get to the quarterback, mixing up his coverage teams a little bit. So I think Derek Mason will have a couple things up his sleeve for tomorrow. Of course, you mentioned James Franklin on the other side, and his name has been in the running for that USC job. Of course, you look across college football, you look into the NFL with Urban Meyer, folks are saying, I'm not going to USC, whereas the door seems ajar for James Franklin at Penn State. How do you think that factors into tomorrow's matchup? You know, I don't think it's really going to factor in too much, to be honest. I mean, there's the storylines out there and whatnot, and you're hearing those things, but from what I can tell with James Franklin, he's a very focused guy. I'm sure if he is in the running or talking with USC, it's his agent that's doing all of that. He's not involved. I really, I wouldn't put too much stock into that effect in tomorrow's game. What's the key matchup for you tomorrow night? Christian, you have it? Sorry, I lost you, Christian. Christian, you got us? Yes, there we go. What's the key matchup for Auburn tomorrow night? I would continue to look at that defensive line and even the linebackers, and I would say stopping the run. Uh, Noah Kane is a really impressive back, but if he can stop the run a little bit and force Sean Clifford to really go out there and throw the ball around, I don't know if he'll have the talent to do that along with Auburn's secondary. So the big thing for me would be stopping the run for Auburn's defense. 
You know what's funny about that? I feel like that's everybody's game plan against Auburn with Bo Nix. That's the comparison <laughs> yeah. I've been making all offseason going into this. And when I saw Sean Clifford's stat line last year, I was like, where have I seen that before? Wait a minute. It's like the Spider-Man meme. And Bo Nix and Sean Clifford are pointing at each other. Very similar. Yeah, they're definitely very similar quarterbacks when you look at their careers, struggling in some of the bigger games or at least the games on the road and whatnot not being kind of the guy at quarterback so they are very similar christian we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us this afternoon uh enjoy the festivities my man but first let everybody know what all content that they can expect this weekend from happy valley yeah so i'll have uh different stuff from hopefully on the field tomorrow and then posting stories and whatnot we've got a q a over up on our site right now with our uh our rivals reporter over up here so we have a ton of different coverage right now, and we'll have a ton of coverage tomorrow over at AuburnSports.com. Before I let you get out of here, official prediction for tomorrow night, you got Auburn winning? I do. I've got 31-21. to 21. Ooh, two touchdowns almost. Christian, appreciate it, my man. Yeah, thank you. You guys have a good weekend. That was Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com. If you were curious what the noise was in the background, uh, it was Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's it, it seems like it's uh, getting serious up there. And like he said, he's like, I cannot believe the scene and the turnout from all these Penn State fans. It's going to be a fun one in Happy Valley tomorrow night, I can guarantee it. Well, what I'm shocked about is uh, it's 2.42. Now, granted, it is on a Friday. but Well, I guess it's 3.42 on a Friday on that side of, uh, that side of the country. But still... It's uh, kind of shocking to see that it's already hit that point. I would understand, you know, a couple hours from now maybe, but it's uh, it's heating up up there. Yeah, absolutely. And again, we talk we've talked a lot on this uh, on the show this week about how much is the crowd going to actually be a factor, and if people are this are this juiced up for the matchup tomorrow this early. Um, I would I would expect to see a fantastic scene uh, as as warmups begin and as teams come out of the tunnel and as as kickoff happens tomorrow. I think Auburn settles in, but early it's going to be a fascinating scene uh, to look at because I again I I don't watch a lot of Penn State football, but I have tuned into some of their wideouts and it's been really cool. But it's going to be interesting to see. As a fan of Auburn, your team go out there and perform against something like that because while it may not be as big of a factor as some people might think, it still is just a fantastic scene. That was Christian Clemente of AuburnSports.com with us for the Friday edition of On the Line. We'll have Jeremy Law of RadioAlabamaSports.net back with us again. It's a free-for-all Friday here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Call in at 334-321-1390. If you happen to be in Pennsylvania and you're listening to our streams, Uh, Call in as well. We want to know what it's like. Whatever is on your mind here on the Friday edition of On the Line. Wrapping up our number one of On the Line, 334-321-1390, the number to dial. If you want to talk about this Auburn-Penn State matchup, we'd love to talk about it like Noah mentioned before we went to break. If you're up in Pennsylvania and you're listening to the stream and you want to give us a listen as to what it sounds like up there, what the scene is, let us know. Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports back on with us. We're going to continue our Saturday selections. As we mentioned earlier in the show, we've already picked Louisville UCF. Maryland, Illinois, Nebraska at Oklahoma, Cincinnati at Indiana. We're going to get into some more selections here. Number 15, Virginia Tech at West Virginia. West Virginia is a two and a half point favorite. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff on FS1. Really surprising to see that West Virginia, after losing to Maryland, is favored by two and a half at home against a top 15 team. But apparently Vegas is not putting a lot of stock in the Hokies. 
the home of the couch burners is a very difficult place to play. <laughs> and if people don't know what I'm referring to, I think they had a big win not too many years ago and they set a couch on fire or something like that. I'm like, what are you guys doing? What, it's what are y'all doing? <laughs> Morgantown's a difficult place to play. This is a fun rivalry game that's not talked about that often. Um, I like Virginia Tech in this one. I think they play very good defense. You go back to two weeks ago for West Virginia when they were taking on Maryland. Maryland was able to limit what West Virginia was able to do on offense. I think they're missing some things at key positions, namely the quarterback spot at West Virginia. It's just not as good as it needs to be for what Neil Brown's trying to do on offense right now and, and trying to spread the ball out of what you traditionally expect out of West Virginia. I mean, under Holgerson, they had air raid. You need a great quarterback for that. Prior to that, you think back to some of the Rich Rod days and how often that they were running the football. You had some excellent quarterbacks go through the door at West Virginia. That's not the case right now. They're, they're good, not great, but that's not good enough to beat this Virginia Tech defense that found a way to shut down North Carolina a couple weeks ago. This is a little bit more of a legitimizer game for Virginia Tech for me, and maybe for the country. That's probably why West Virginia is favored by two and a half points. I'm going to go with Virginia Tech. I don't feel great about it, but I'm going with Virginia Tech for that defense. Uh, the offense isn't great at Virginia Tech either. This could be a really nasty ball game, and maybe that's why the points are favoring West Virginia right now, but I will take Virginia Tech on the road. Defense travels. This is one of those gut games where I like Virginia Tech, and like you mentioned, I like that defense. I'm going to pick West Virginia to oh. win at home, even though I don't feel great about it. I'm 0-2 on your gut games this year. I think that West Virginia is going to manage to pull out this one. They're averaging over 310 yards passing per contest right now, 45 points a game. They did lose to Maryland, but they bounced back in a big way, won 66 to nothing against uh, Louisiana. No, that's not Louisiana. I don't even know what – I've never seen that team before. LIU Post is what CBS Sports says that the team is. I've never seen that before. But, yeah. Uh, I think this offense is going to do a lot of good things. Not only do they have a good uh, passing game, but I think they have the, the, an, 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 an NFL-caliber running back and Letty Brown. I think this team is going to be able to pull it out. I know this uh, Virginia Tech te- defense is good, but I'm going to take the Mountaineers at home. Jeremy? Yeah, give me Virginia Tech. They're, the FPI, ESPN FBI, or matchup predictor, has them around a 60% chance to win this game. I kind of agree. Listen, they already have a top 10 win now North Carolina I think we can all agree is not a top 10 team but they do have that on their resume and uh who would have guessed that you know that Virginia Tech may be the surprise ACC team that um kind of carries the conference outside of Clemson but I do like Virginia Tech in this one as far as betting is concerned it's pretty split on cash I mean it's like 57 43 in favor of West Virginia so maybe some of the smarter folks out there a little bit more of the money on West Virginia but more of the bets are going on to Virginia Tech. So uh, it's pretty split at the moment, but uh, some folks out there do like West Virginia a little bit. But it's two and a half in favor of the Mountaineers. This is pretty much a push for me. Like I said, I'm going Virginia Tech. Next game, Michigan State at number 24, Miami. Six and a half point favorites are the Hurricanes. This is one of those games where if I'm Miami, obviously – We saw what happened in week one against Alabama. We saw them not necessarily get exposed, but struggle against an App State team. That is a good team. But if you're Miami, I think right now you're looking around and you're going, guys, we're better than Michigan State, right? Like they beat Northwestern. Like we're better than Michigan State at home, right? But I think there are a lot of people out there that think this Michigan State team, along with their really talented running back, Kenneth Walker III, would be able to go in there and cause some problems. And I th- I'm i one of those people. I think Michigan State's going to go on the road and win this game after being incredibly high up on Miami uh, to start the season. 
I think that Miami starts to fall apart here after seeing what they did against Alabama. Look, you, you're going to get injuries. You're going to get banged up, and that's just part of the deal with it with Alabama. And then you go and play an App State team that is fundamentally sound. That's going to cause some problems. You're playing a Michigan State team that is hard-nosed and likes to run the football. I just don't see Miami surviving this one. Derek King is a really good quarterback but I don't think that's going to be enough to get them over the hump. My biggest question is, has Miami scanned the entire stadium for uh, suicidal cats because they need to make sure that they don't have an issue like they did last week? Teams traditionally do not fare well after playing a Nick Saban coached Alabama team. Um, A lot of times Alabama can beat you two weeks in a row. It almost happened to Miami last week. I think they bounce back in this one at home. Michigan State's got to travel early morning kickoff and 11 a.m. kick our time. Um, I like Miami. They're almost a touchdown favorite at home. I'm not sure they win by um, – I might take the points with Michigan State on that, but I do think that uh, Miami does win this game. I agree with Jeremy. I'm going to go Miami here as well. Lance, you're not splitting some hairs here on these 11 a.m. kickoff games. I'm trying to bring you back in, Noah. I like Miami's athletes, and Michigan State giving up a little bit of yardage on the ground, 142 rush yards allowed per game. That bothers me a little bit, especially with Derek King's ability. I like Miami's athletes, the speed that they've got out on the perimeter versus the traditional Big Ten pace that Michigan State's going to bring to the game I mean now if Michigan State can establish what they want to do on the ground control the clock and whatnot you could be looking at a game like last week against App State but if I asked you right now Michigan State versus Appalachian State you'd probably after watching Appalachian State last week you'd say man this is a pretty good football game right no I would would think Michigan State wins that game I think I think they win it better than Miami did really yes so you're high up on this Michigan State team I am high up on this Michigan State after seeing the way through it because they've only beat Northwestern and Youngstown State after seeing the way that they played Northwestern just firing on all cylinders they just look solid they just look like a solid team it's very similar to the way that I view Iowa they're just very consistent Michigan State just looked like a solid football program Miami right now like Jeremy said they're on the ropes and I know they're at home but it's an early kick things can happen if Michigan State establishes the ground game early I can see them taking this one we'll have to agree to disagree on that one then I'm going to go Miami and the athletes down there in South Florida playing at home. Also, the humidity going to play a factor. Last time we saw a team come from that portion of the country to that area of the country was the NFL this past weekend with uh, Green Bay Packers' Aaron Rodgers, and they uh, suffocated to three points against the New Orleans Saints. I'm going to take Miami for, for similar reasons there. Humidity could play a big factor in that one. Number one, Alabama at number 11, Florida, 2.30 p.m. CBS, 14.5 point favorites of the Crimson Tide. Jeremy, you started us off. This is a game of particular interest for you. Yeah, I, I think rain's going to play a little bit of a factor. Now, if they're playing in the swamp and there's no rain and you're playing um, an inept Emory Jones and a Florida defense that is now out of a middle linebacker that's talking a little trash, you have Brenton Cox saying, you know, we're ready. Alabama's the ones that need to get ready, though. And you're, you're asking yourself, like, why, why would you do that? Uh, I like Alabama by 17. I was on a podcast earlier this week. I, had, I think I had 34-13. I think Alabama um, can uh, cover all the lines. I think they're minus 8.5 in the first half. I think they cover that one. And uh, overall, the, the lines jumped around. I probably would have taken this at highest at 16.5. But I do think they win by um, – at least three scores, if not three touchdowns. Where does the production come from in this game from Florida against this Alabama defense? 
And with Alabama being, they really have, I've went back and watched both Alabama games this year multiple times. The play calling has been so vanilla. Uh, I don't think Bill O'Brien has even taken the lid off the cookie jar yet. He's just been walking to the kitchen. I think he's going to take the lid off in this one and kind of show you what Bryce Young's going to be able to do. Bryce Young succeeds under pressure. That's probably their only their only hope is to get to Bryce Young with this Alabama offensive line that still has a few questions. But if Bryce Young has a little bit of time, uh, Florida's going to be in a lot of trouble. I like Alabama with the points. Give me three scores or three touchdowns. Yeah, I, I agree with me with Jeremy there. A stat that I threw out on yesterday's show, and I'll throw it out again today. Uh, in his career as a head coach, Dan Mullen is two and twenty-eight against teams who finished in the top 10 of the AP poll. We're going to go out on a limb and say Alabama finishes in the top 10 of the AP poll. Regardless, I'm, I am I agree with Jeremy. I think Alabama's going to win this game. I think they're going to cover. Emory Jones has not shown enough to me as a passer so far this season. I think this Alabama defense, uh, they, they do a lot of great things on Saturday. Give me Alabama as well. And that's it for hour number one of On the Line. We'll have hour number two coming up. We'll keep making some picks. Take a look at Saturday's games. We picked the Auburn-Pitt State game. When we come back at 3 p.m., stay tuned. You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn on ESPN 1067 or online on FoxSports983.com and ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw. Join the show by calling in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7500. Hour number two of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Number to call 334-321-1390 or text line at 334-564-1840. If you missed any of our number one, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Jeremy Law of RadioAlabamaSports.net with us here on the show. Our final segment with him as we finish up making picks here later on. In the hour, we'll have Buster Daniel, Lee Scott football head coach with us, as well as Scott Bagwell, Auburn High School Sports Network play-by-play announcer to take us through to the weekend as we'll get into some high school football as well as continue to break down Auburn-Penn State. We start off hour number two with more of our Saturday selections, making picks here going into the weekend. We'll pick Auburn-Penn State later on in this segment, but let's start out in the Pac-12 at 2.30 p.m. on Fox USC loses to Stanford last week. Clay Helton no longer head coach. Now SC is seven and a half point favorites over Washington State on the road. Gentlemen, how are we picking this one? Lance, we'll start with you. And this is going to be a really tough matchup for me because obviously USC, I feel like, is the more talented team. And Washington State has had their fair share of issues losing to Utah State by three to open the season. I am going to take USC to win this game. I don't feel confident that Washington State is going to be able to get it done. Although I will say this. Uh, there is opportunity there for Washington State to look at this game and be like, this is the perfect opportunity for us to to win against a better team that is just so distracted right now. They can't go out there and put a competent competent product on the field. But I am going to take Keaton Slovis and this offense to go on the road and get it done. Jeremy? We've seen this with Dabo at Clemson, Ed O at USC and LSU. 
USC feels slighted. They feel like nobody believes in them. They go out and they win this game. 100%. And it doesn't matter who the interim has been in the past. Ed O was the interim. Clay Helton was interim at, at one point. You're right. It does not matter based on what happened last week and that they fired Clay Helton. That That's all in the books. I think they come out there. I, I still think they put together a bowl season. I still think they put together a, a good year. They, they're still in the running in their own division. They didn't lose to a divisional opponent last week. They lost to a team from the North. So not to say that they're good enough to beat UCLA or Arizona State or even maybe Utah. I think that we'll still have to learn about this team and we'll learn more about them against Washington State. But I'm not writing USC off at the moment. Keaton Slovis and Drake London and these offensive weapons are just too much for me to for me to look the other way on here in this game. So I will be taking USC as well. Mississippi State at Memphis, 3 p.m. ESPN2. Bulldogs only favored by three and a half on the road. This is going to be a fun matchup because you look at Memphis's offense. They currently average 48.5 points per game, although they're giving up 33.5. And, and you look at Mississippi State averaging almost 30 points a game. Obviously, they're going to throw the ball around the yard. This should be a fun offensive matchup, in my opinion. I'm going to take Memphis to win this game. Ah, I don't, stole my thunder. I don't, like, I don't like Mississippi State to be consistent this season I just don't think they're going to be and although that defense played well against NC State on the road against a potent offense Will Rogers as well not being able to stretch the field I just don't know I don't think it matters the defense that they play either I think this is just the way that their offense is and and to put that into perspective I mean they only scored in the high 20s against Tulsa in their bowl game last year they struggled against Louisiana Tech until they got into the fourth quarter. Last week, they only scored 17 against NC State. I know that they put up 24 total points, but the offense only scored 17 of it. Seven of that was a kick return. I like Memphis in this one as well. Jeremy, are you going to complete the trifecta or are you staying SEC? I'm going to roll with Silicaga's Kyle Pope, who is the defensive line coach at Memphis. His brother is also the wide receivers coach at Tennessee under hypo i believe he is yeah i think he's the he's an on the field coach at tennessee this year which is really big the pope brothers silicaga icons here in the marble city i I like memphis this this mississippi state team is just up and down they had the louisiana tech they mean they had to avoid an upset did come back nicely get a 14 a two touchdown win over nc state but at memphis feels like a dangerous game for mississippi state i think it is a dangerous game i'll take memphis This is always supposed to be a fun rivalry game, but South Carolina has gone downhill since Spurrier was let go. South Carolina at number two, Georgia, 31.5 point favorites are the Bulldogs, 6 p.m. ESPN. And I should say, I shouldn't say let go for Spurrier either. uh, Retirement. But obviously, South Carolina has uh, gone in a really terrible direction since that point in time. Gamecocks, can they cover, gentlemen? I'm going to say no. I think Georgia scores more than 40 in this game, and I don't see a way where South Carolina gets to 10 points. I'm going to be slightly surprised if they score an offensive touchdown in this game, whether it be with Luke Doty, whether it be with Zeb Noland. I just don't see them getting around this Georgia defense. I think Georgia goes in there and makes a huge statement uh, against South Carolina. Not saying that South Carolina is good. I'm saying they're going to blow them out to the point where everybody's like, oh, okay, so Georgia has the ability to do that. I can't take a team at 31 and a half. It's a massive number. Um, but uh, Georgia dominates this game handily. I'm trying to figure out where the points come from from South Carolina. In today's college football world, you got to ask yourself, how are they going to score? This Georgia defense is phenomenal. 
Georgia showed you what they can do offensively last week against UAB. And I know it's UAB, but they didn't have their quarterback. Stetson Bennett looked really, really good. Uh, give me Georgia big. I'm not sure it's 31 and a half big, but Georgia by a landslide. You know, I'm curious to see if Georgia's offense struggles at all against South Carolina. My reasoning behind that, we still don't know if JT Daniels is going to play. Stetson Bennett, earlier this week, Kirby Smart said was dealing with lower back issues. Not that he wouldn't play, not, not that it was keeping him from practicing, but it was still a factor in his play. And then, of course, Beck, their third string guy, is 100% healthy. But there's kind of this open door right now at quarterback. Not that JT Daniels' job is in jeopardy or anything like that, but, but you don't know who's going to play at QB. And, of course, that wasn't a problem last week. But I wonder what this team looks like if they go all the way down to third string and it's Carson Beck who ends up being the QB. You asked me this on yesterday's show, I believe. Who would you take in a neutral site, UAB or South Carolina? I'd take UAB. And I feel like even if that game would be close and South Carolina won – I just, man, I do not see them scoring a lot of points in this game. I think Georgia runs away with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking Georgia. I think Georgia covers as well. I actually don't think it'll be that difficult for them to hit that 31 and a half. I mean, that would be, uh, that would be based on the line as, or based on the over under as well. Said in the high 40s, it would be like 39 to eight. And I'm like, yeah, they're totally capable of doing that to South Carolina. Probably worse. So I'll take Georgia to win this one. Number 22, Auburn at number 10, Penn State. Nittany Lions. The line has moved down to just five points, whereas it started like six and a half earlier this week. How do we feel, gentlemen? It's time. The moment of truth. 6.30 p.m. ABC. 27-19, Auburn. That's, the fin- <laughs> that's going to be the final score. I think they go in there and Auburn gets it done. And while it may, while I, I like people saying like, oh, it's going to be by like 10 points, like Christian Clemente said, I think that's bullish. I think that's fun. I'm going to stick in that same boat. I think Auburn goes in there and I think they shut down Sean Clifford. I think this pass rush gets home and I don't think Penn State's pass rush gets home. We talked about it in the offseason about what's going to be the biggest factor in this game. And I've said it for weeks and weeks and weeks. It's Penn State, whether or not they're going to be able to get home and force Bonix into scenarios where he's going to make bad mistakes. Don't see that happening on Saturday. I think this offensive line is going to hold up just fine. Like we've mentioned throughout the week, only three sacks from Penn State so far this season. Auburn goes out there, controls the tempo, controls the ground game, and gets Bo Nix to be efficient. He's going to go out there and play like the former five-star quarterback that he is. Jeremy? And Lance is all in. He's moved his chips to the center. That's so much unknown in this game still. Auburn's they they have they look they've looked phenomenal. They just haven't played an opponent that you that makes me feel comfortable to uh, to pick them by more than six. But I am going to pick Auburn by one. 24-23. Penn State has some trouble in the kicking game. Penn State misses a field goal late. Auburn survi- survives in Happy Valley. I'm going to go with worse than you guys. I'm going to say 26-16, Auburn. Let's go. I'm going to say Auburn wins by 10, and uh, for all the reasons that Lance said, I think Auburn's able to control the tempo. They're going to come out there, look to run the ball early. Penn State has struggled against the run. Don't look too – don't say, oh, well, they've only given up like, you know, like three yards per carry right now. It's like, yeah, but if you watch the Wisconsin game outside of the red zone, which, once again, that's game plan and play calling issues for Wisconsin and just general mistakes like dropping a football and a handoff – just little things like that kept Wisconsin off the scoreboard. Wisconsin was the better team in that football game if you watched it. Penn State just hit a couple of deep shots. I don't think Penn State will be able to do that against Auburn. Auburn's pressure won't allow them to. Terrible pass protection up front for Penn State. I, I, I think Penn State scores more than, than, uh, than maybe the average individual might be giving them credit for in this game, but uh, I do think Auburn ends up winning by double digits. I think that a lot of people, a lot of the media out there, 
is looking at this game in the light of how is Bo Nix going to play. I don't think that's going to be a huge factor. I don't think Auburn throws the ball a lot in this game. I think people should be asking themselves, how is Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter, how are they going to play in this game? think they're going to play really well. Again, like I mentioned, like you said, they're going to control the tempo in this game. I still think Bo Nix hits 25 pass attempts. What do you guys think? I'd, Over, under on that? I'm going to say I'm going to say under. I will say under, but just slightly. I like I like I like I think they're going to be able to late in the game they're going to ride tank. I I can see Bo Nix getting 17 to 23 um pass attempts. 25 is a high number for Bo on the road. I don't know though because we've seen at other places and granted Auburn was playing from behind in a lot of these matchups but last year Bo Nix was hitting 30 pass attempts with consistency. I I think in today's day and age now granted Auburn was running with a higher play count last year. I think he hits 25 maybe even you know, it's somewhere around 25, maybe, you know, one or two less or one or two more, which I guess it was the high end of your range, Jeremy. But I, I think early they're running tank. But as the game unfolds, I think Auburn begins to unload a little bit with Bo Nix's arm. So to Auburn's benefit, it's going to open up the offense. Yes. Okay. If Auburn throws the ball 30 times, that means they're playing from behind in Happy Valley and Penn State wins. But like I said, I like Auburn 24-23. Moving on to an ACC game happening at the same time, 630 ACC Network, number 21, North Carolina, eight-point favorites at home over Virginia. And I don't like like this game because Virginia's offense has been just so fun to watch this season and their quarterback's been phenomenal. I'm going to take North Carolina, Carolina to win this game, though. I think Sam Howell and this team is just too talented, and I know that we saw them struggle against Virginia Tech early in the season, but I like them at home to go out there and Sam Howell to get back on track. Believe it or not, he's actually the team's current leading passer and the current uh, leading rusher. I expect North Carolina to try and get some of their backs involved in this game, and I think it opens up the offense just a little bit. Let's see if Ty Chandler can get it going. Jeremy? Um, For Mac Brown's sake, he better hope he wins this game. You're talking about fall. If he loses this when he falls out of the top um, 25 early in the year, a lot of expectations. People thought they had a chance to compete with Clemson. Um, if, if Mac Brown wants to keep his seat um, from being a raging fireball, he better win this football game. I think North Carolina cruises here. Uh, by cruises, I mean two touchdowns. I think Virginia's a good football team. I think they could mess some things up in the Coastal. I don't think that they mess things up right here for UNC. And UNC desperately needs this one to get back into the conference race. I don't think that this is where things go arrive for North Carolina. Maybe they lose another one later on in the year to a Miami or or just insert just a random a random team in there that that beats them where North Carolina has another Virginia Tech like performance. Maybe if I don't know, do they play Pittsburgh? Is that the same division? That is the same division. So maybe they play Pittsburgh later on. Kenny Pickett has a great game or something like that. Outguns them. Maybe that's a possibility. But I think Virginia can mess some things up for like a Virginia Tech or a Miami later on. We still have to remember Miami hasn't even played in the conference yet. Like this is still wide open in the coastal, and I think North Carolina gets back in the race. So I will take the Tar Heels here against Virginia. Stanford at Vanderbilt, 7 p.m. ESPNU. Vanderbilt shocked me with a win last week against Colorado State after getting uh, beat by East Tennessee State handily. They host Stanford in a big game from what I've been seeing on the internet, uh, a big recruiting game. For Vanderbilt, they apparently have a lot of visitors on campus for this one, but Stanford rolling in hot after beating USC 42-28. to Yeah, Stanford got Clay Helton fired. That's, uh, after seeing what they did against USC and seeing what Vanderbilt did week one, I don't know if I have a lot of confidence in, to pick Vanderbilt in this game. Do I think Stanford co- covers? I think it's a possibility. Regardless, I think Stanford wins this game. 
Vanderbilt's offense just just is just too poor, too sorry to get it get it done even at home. Jeremy Stanford. Yeah, I think that's pretty easy. I'll go Stanford, and I think they probably cover. I want to believe that this is going to be a close game, and this game has had interest for me before the season started. That's why yes. I've got it here, but I'm so disappointed in how Vanderbilt's offense has come out the gates. They've it's scored like night. a combined 27 points through their first two, and they played in FCS school week one, and they only got three against them, right? Or did they get shut out in the ballgame? They got three, I believe. Yeah, I think, they got, I think it was 23-3. to three. This one's going to be fun if people are still up. Well, I guess this one's not the night, the, the Pac-12 after dark. It's not like that. If anyone PM, cares. Uh, yeah, 8 p.m. FS1. This is a fun one. If it was, This would be like a 2-30 week one type of game. Oklahoma State at Boise State. Broncos favored by three. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to take Boise State to win this game. After seeing what Oklahoma State did in week one, I just cannot trust them to go out there and make a statement against another group of five school. They beat Missouri State Missouri State 23-16, to and then they beat Tulsa 28-23 to last week. Do they get it done against another group of five school? I don't think so. Boise can score, yeah. I'll ride with Boise in this and one. According to NCAA, they score 69 points a game. But. Jeremy? Yeah, I don't know where you got that stat, Lance. But, uh, no, I'll say uh, Mike Gundy had to come out and defend the start to his season this week. They haven't looked great. Um, and, listen, Boise State, Boise, uh, what is that, west of the Mississippi, man, they're they're the premier non-Power 5 team out there in the FBS. I like them in this game. Our last game here to pick. This is Pac-12 After Dark on ESPN. Number 19, Arizona State at number 23, BYU. Four-point favorites are the Sun Devils. They seem to be going about their work despite all the distractions around the program. BYU, though, shocking me. After all the production that they lose from last year, they lose their quarterback. They look pretty good here. Beat a Pac-12 school last week in Utah. Do they do it again? I really want to pick BYU in this game, but I like Jaden Daniels and I like Arizona State enough to say that Arizona State goes in there, and they do win. Although, I will say, BYU, they've impressed me so far, and it was something that we jokingly, I think, hit on for a second in the offseason. Like, as the uh, the first AP poll was released, it's like, oh, well, let's maybe give BYU a little bit of love. Let's throw them a couple of votes in there because I don't feel like they got enough. And then they've come out the gates, and they've proven they deserve to be on the fringe or just barely inside the top 25. Zach Wilson's losing or leaving the program, I feel like gets overbaked into this BYU program. They're solid. They've got good pieces just outside of Wilson. They've got a good head coach. I want to pick them in this game, but I think the talent at Arizona State is just a little too much, although I would not be surprised if I looked up at, at 1 in the morning and, and uh, BYU had won by It'd be 14. a huge legitimizer for me about BYU, and Arizona State is the toughest team left on their schedule by far, and they still have other power conference teams left on that schedule. If they are to win this ball game, uh, I, I'll say at the end of the year, if they're undefeated, there's going to be a couple of group of five teams you're like, man, maybe you should give them a look for a playoff spot like a Cincinnati or UCF or a BYU if they keep winning on a Power 5 laden schedule. I mean, what else can these guys do in the independent to get some respect? I'm going to go Arizona State, though, for the reasons that you said. I like the athletes. I like the quarterback. Jeremy, last pick here for you. I just think Jaron Hall's a better quarterback than Jalen Daniels. And um, Jaden Daniels, excuse me. And listen, this game's... It's at BYU. ESPN FBI likes them at 53%. I'm going to roll with BYU with this one. Upset. I like that. <laughs> Appreciate it, Jeremy. Thank you for joining us on uh, on the Friday edition. Hope you have a good weekend, my man. Had fun, guys. War Eagle. Wow. Hey, let's go. I can't believe he said that. Wow. We'll be pulling. We'll, we'll be pulling for uh, for Auburn big time this weekend. Apparently, I, I love to see Alabama fans. I did see earlier 
it, I think it was on Twitter, there was a Bama fan that was like, hating on James Franklin something awful and he's like this is the only time that I will ever pull out for Auburn in a game because I just do not like Penn State whatsoever I'm just like yeah come on with it that was Jeremy Law of RadioAlabamaSports.net joining us for the Friday edition of On the Line we'll be back with more of the show when we come back we got Lee Scott football head coach Buster Daniel back on On the Line Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama and it's time for our weekly segment with Lee Scott football head coach Buster Daniel coach how you doing today man I am wonderful except for the weather we're doing great yeah we got to keep this rain away because uh my my area of the press box a little open window so I hope uh, I hope we can keep the rain away a little bit but I know you guys don't want to be playing on a bog either how's the rain maybe changed some things for you guys this week during practice well, let's change practice a little bit. You know, we had to go inside a day or so, and, uh, you know, which is fine. You know, we don't need to beat each other too bad right now this time of the year, but uh, it's, it's been okay. We got a lot of mental reps in, and uh, we were able to get in the gym and, and do some run through. So it's been, it's been, it hasn't been too bad, but, you know, we still love her to be a little bit drier tonight for the game for both teams' sake. Going back to last week against Pike. And although it didn't go the way that you guys wanted it to, you, me and you talked earlier this week, and you were saying that you guys were still laying licks late into that ball game. And I think to Miles Zachary throwing a Pike player out of bounds on on the other sideline, and th- this Lee Scott team, they're not holding back punches. It's kind of cool to see how far this team's grown from last year. Oh, absolutely! You know, this, these guys are the majority of them are the same guys that played last year. You know, we had, we graduated a few seniors last year that played, but. These are the same guys that you know that, that wasn't real sure about us uh, as a coaching staff last year, um, but they've bought in everything we're, we're teaching right now, and they're playing extremely hard every single game. You know, there's a couple of games that we played uh, with Chambers and Pike game that they could have just laid down and uh, you know said, "Well, here we go again," but they didn't do that. You know, they kept throwing the punches like you said, and and kept making plays all the way up in the game to the last last second round of the clock. And I'm sure this team's got to be earning a lot of respect from some of the bigger AISA programs like Glenwood and Pike, but other teams coming up on the schedule have to have seen what you guys have done so far and probably are concerned. Well, you know, that, that may be so. You know, we may have got a little respect, but we don't have the respect that we, we think we deserve. Um, you know, we're, we're one, in, uh, one and two right now. Um, that don't say a whole lot. And, and we still got some, some respect to earn from other teams in the area. You know, they may say that the Glenwood thing was a fluke which we don't believe. We know we played hard enough to win that game. Um, but, you know, we still got some things we can prove down the road to other teams and to let them know that, that at least God's on the rise and we're getting where we need to be and, and we're going to be there sooner than later. A position group that oftentimes in practice you go and work with, you go and work with the offensive and defensive lines. What are you seeing out of that group and their development? Oh, our guys are playing extremely well. You know, we we played a small college last week in Pike. Now, I'm joking about that, but they're a really good football team. They're real big and they're physical. Our guys held their own for, for most of the game, uh, and they're getting better each and every week. Uh, they're gelling as a as a unit. You know, they love playing with each other for each other. And and again, you know, we're we're young now. We got one senior playing on offensive line right now. Um, so we're we're still going to be good for next year or so. Uh, but those guys are really playing good. Uh, they're, they're growing up as, as young men and football players and doing a great job for us. Coach, I don't know if you're lying. They had two guys bigger than 330 pounds. Another guy was north of 300. Their center was like 280. And then the right guard didn't have a higher weight on my roster, but he looked to be about 280, 300. I, I don't know if you're lying. <laughs> no, they're, they're big. I mean, they were huge. Yeah. Uh, you, you, I'm not talking about Pike, of course. Yes, yes, last week. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah. You know, those guys are huge. And they, and they ran an, uh, another kid out there, number 70, that didn't play a whole lot, 
And, uh, you know, he was north of 300. So yep. They've got a really, really big kid. You know, we got tall kids. We haven't filled out like that yet, but we're working on it. So we, you know, we'll, be there. we'll be there eventually. How are you instilling that mentality in your lines to play bigger than maybe they are? They're not small. They've bulked up a lot over the offseason, but to play bigger than they are when you face teams like Pike. Well, you know, as those, those things you always say, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of fighting the dog. And that's what I keep telling these guys, you know. You don't have to be the biggest guy. You can be a better technician. You can have bigger heart. You can have bigger work ethic. And uh, that's what that's what our guys are doing right now. They may not be the biggest. You know, I got a, I got a right guard in, in Graden Ketchum that weighs about 180 pounds maybe. And he plays as hard or as tough as anybody on our front or anybody else's front. And it's just about the attitude. And, and how good they want to be. And that's what I keep telling those guys. You know, they just keep working, keep working, keep working, and then uh, it'll work out in the end. If you outwork a guy, you'll end up beating him. Switching gears to making East for tonight's ball game. Uh, what have you seen out of the night so far? Two and two on the year, mixed bag of results from these guys. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, they're going to always be well coached. Coach Lott does a great job with his program, always has. Um, they're going to be well-coached. They're going to be disciplined. And they may not be the, the making these teams of the past years, but they're still a good football team. They're 2-2. Two and two. Their record's better than ours. Um, so we've got to play well to be able to, to, to win the game tonight. I know last year they had some real athleticism at running back. What do they look like at maybe some of their skill positions? Yeah, you know, they got uh, – I think they've uh, – I've heard words they've got a couple of basketball guys come out and play receiver for them. And, um, you know, the running back is a, is a good little back, but he's not the guy they had last year. That guy was – he was dynamic. You know, we, we had a hard time hemming him up. But this guy's a good athlete. Um, again, not as good as the one last year, but we still got to play. And he's able to break and go to the house if you let him. Um, they got a couple of guys outside playing receiver that are tall kids. You can't tell on film how tall. We don't have a roster. So, you know, they're, they're, they're north of six foot anyway. So, um, good good players. Uh, we've got to play well, and, and if our kids will play like they've done the last three weeks, I think I like our chances. Looking at our Lee Scott Sports Network Players of the Week, we took a stab at the corners this week, and it was Andrew Hahn and Miles Zachary. I know you guys are really impressed with the way that they're covering. They don't get beat hardly ever. Talk to me about these cornerbacks. All those guys are doing a great job. You know, uh, that's that's one thing we started out. You know, new defensive system, and you know, the corners. Their job is don't get beat deep, and they're not doing that. Plus, they're coming up making tackles. You know, Han had a Andrew Han had a great game last week. You know, he made a lot of big plays on their sideline over there against Pike, and uh, and Miles same thing on the other side. He, you know, he's he's not over athletic, he's not tall, but he is doing a great job for us. You know, he's. He's doing the things that we teach him in practice on how to make open field tackles. And, you know, it showed up on film that he's worked at it and gotten a whole lot better. But those guys are doing a great job. And they're only sophomores. They're young guys. That's right. Exactly right. Now, like I said, again, we're still young as a team. We've got seven seniors, you know. So the guys that are playing now will be even better next year. You know, we're having all this experience. And, and uh, yeah, we've got, I think there's five or six sophomores that are playing now. Uh, we've got a big junior class. but uh, and, and we've got two freshmen. That, that you might well say are starting. We got nose guard and Cam Arwood and uh, outside linebacker and Tyler Kennedy. That you know if they're not in there the very first snap, they're going in the second one. So they're playing pretty much the whole game as freshmen. So we're still young, and that's not an excuse. We're going we're gonna to play hard, and we're going to do the things the right way. But you know, just to just to let people know down the road that we're still young and we're going to get better. Coach, what are the keys to tonight's ball game? Well, <clears throat> with the weather the way it is, you know, we got to hold on to football. We can't afford to have any turnovers. Uh, we've got to control the, the clock, you know, and, and take care of our end. Uh, and then just cut out on the bad penalties. You know, we, we had a couple of really bad penalties last week that hurt us. Uh, I'm not saying that would have changed the game against Pike, but 
you can't afford to play behind the sticks. And that's what we got to work on tonight. You know, and play great defense. You know, we got to be able to tackle those guys in open field and just get them on the ground. That's the biggest thing we got to do. Coach, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today. Good luck tonight. Appreciate it. You know, go Warriors. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Friday edition of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Getting you ready for college football. Getting you ready for high school football. This is coming up later on this evening. We got Scott Bagwell, Auburn High Sports Network, play-by-play announcer. Scott, how you doing today, my man? Good. How you doing? Doing really well. You are going to be making a trip to Montgomery tonight. Are you already on the way, or uh, what are your plans? No, leaving in about uh, 45 minutes. Luckily enough, it's in it's knock on wood, straight drive, park at Crampton Bowl. Don't got to worry about setup or anything like that. So for high school football, it's one of the easier drives that I get to make. And it's one of the better setups, too. I mean, you're in a really nice stadium. They play bowl games there. Yeah. it's uh, it's There's positives and negatives. The positive, I get to see everything, bird's eye view, everything like that. Negatives. Uh, the crowd is a million miles away, and at times it's, it's a little bit difficult to get the noise to the mics that we have set up. That's right. Well, Scott, Auburn High School, they put together a great performance last week against Dothan, dominated the Wolves 49-13. to Tell me, was that the complete performance that we've been searching for all year long? It's as close to it as, as Auburn has had. Uh, Auburn was able to run the ball. Clyde Pittman settled in. 11 of 13, a little bit over 200 yards, four touchdowns on the night. Uh, and his two incompletions were a throwaway and a drop. Or it was a ball that was put right where either the receiver was going to catch it or nobody was going to catch it and a drop. So um, a pretty efficient day from the quarterback spot, which is what Auburn was looking for. Running game got going a little bit, almost 200 yards rushing on the ground, doing it with a lot of different backs in there. Uh, and in the defense – Dothan came in, uh, quarterback was out, and uh, against Auburn High School, if you're going to be one-dimensional, you're in trouble. And and that was the situation for Dothan. They hit a couple of big plays in the run game. That was it. And uh, and even though Auburn gave up 13, seven of it was on a scoop and score by the backups that were in the game. I know a couple of weeks ago we talked about this offensive line a little bit. How are they continuing to gel together as we're near end? And I can't believe it already, the midseason point. After this game, Auburn's halfway through the regular season and then halfway through region play as well. Um, Lines starting to come together. You've seen the last couple of weeks, the run game more and more, even against Opelika in the low-scoring game, you saw the run game starting to be pieced together. When you look at the Auburn's got three backs averaging over five yards of carry. Uh, so that, that kind of says where the run game is. You know, in high school and college football, you take out the sacks from the total you are from the rush game so that you know at times you can look at it and go well well they didn't run for that many yards but then you look with the backs in you go no well they ran the ball fine it just the pass protection was a little bit shaky last week no sacks uh you know i think it was about 204 and 191 pass run uh splits for the total offense uh so it was uh it was offensively it was a great day and then defensively 
uh, scored. Um, got a pick six from Brad Harper. Powell Gordon didn't play. He was out with an injury, and still uh, everybody else kind of played to that Auburn high standard. Taking a look at the schedule moving forward, of course, Jeff Davis tonight on the road. Bob Jones, is that one home or away? It's going to be a home game. There's a little bit of a double, uh, a little bit of a, uh, a double booking at the stadium there. So a game that was canceled last year due to COVID and probably should have been played at Auburn due to AHSAA rules. Um, it was then going to be played at Bob Jones, but then different things and different ha- different things unfolded, and Auburn High School is going to have a home game next week. And then you've got Central at home two weeks from tonight. Yeah. We already mentioned Auburn's getting near that midseason point right now. Where do you think this team is at in terms of trying to achieve their goals and the curve that maybe they had for progression? I think when I talked to the coaches this morning, I think everybody feels pretty comfortable about where Auburn is. And I use where Auburn is because that's all you can kind of judge on. Auburn's gotten better. Um, You can't, as much as everybody wants to, fans want to, coaches want to, you can't fast-track uh, chemistry, and you can't fast-track everybody coming together and gelling, especially up front on the offensive line. That has to come with playing time, and that has to come with being through battles and, and your your buddy and, and your teammate proving that they're going to be there for you and be there with you. And that's what Auburn has done. Uh, you know, They had the two close games. They had the two battles with Prattville and Opelika. Um, they had the win last week. They're better than Jeff Davis this week. Although if Auburn goes out there and they kind of mess around, they can look up and find themselves in a bit of a game. Jeff Davis has some athletes. They got Bob Jones next week, and then they have the October to set everything up. They start it at the end of the month with Central. Second last week of the regular season is Enterprise. Those two teams are undefeated in region play. And then Auburn ends up the regular season with IMG Academy. You mentioned the offensive line and how they're going to need to continue to develop chemistry. And last week I asked you what was the most position important position group uh, for the game last week. Are you sticking with the offensive line for this week as well? I mean, I mean, off, Auburn wants to run the ball. They want to stop the run. So, so for Auburn to be successful, the offensive line, the line of scrimmage on both sides, they it has to be good. Um, you saw Auburn start to come along, but now I think the next step for Auburn, Clyde Pittman starting to get comfortable, is, is the passing game to take some steps. Bakari Daly, Cam Etheridge both have four touchdowns apiece, but that's eight of the nine touchdowns that Auburn High School has. It'd be nice if they could get one more guy on the outside, uh, a deep ball threat to kind of emerge and uh, and be able to keep the safeties honest and not and not creep up and uh, and crowd the line of scrimmage. What's Jeff Davis? What what have you seen from Jeff Davis? Maybe from looking at them on film and from what you've heard. You know, they're athletic. Um, they're very very young. For seven eighteen, when I was going through the rosters, like twenty freshmen, um, and, and that's a lot for about any uh, stretch. And when you look at their defensive tackles, the two that started last week against Central were sophomore and freshman. Um, so. They're young, which means they're going to be taking some lumps. Against Central, they did some good stuff offensively, and they were in stride and in phase defensively on some plays. Central went up and made the play, though. So it's not like this is a team that's just not close. They played 
Lanier team straight up, Lee, and and they they were the first team to play Lee, and Lee that had the emotional offseason came out and played very, very well and won that game by a lot. So I don't know. I know that, that, that Coach Etheridge is expecting Jeff Davis to, to kind of throw the kitchen sink at them. Uh, they're 0 for on the year, but they got some athletes, and uh, Auburn doesn't want to find themselves in what they found themselves in a couple of years ago when they all of a sudden looked around at halftime after they turned the ball over a couple times and said, wait a minute, this is a one-score game. You know, we're in a little bit of a fight right now. Looking at the other game in Auburn's region or the other major game in Auburn's region, Central Enterprise tonight, what do you know about this matchup of two undefeateds? Uh, you got speed versus power. Um, Central's skill is very, very good. Their line is the unknown. Uh, I'm not going to go far, as far as to say that Central's line in their front isn't good because they got some playmakers. Um, it's just their skill pops out when you watch their film. So the question is, is how are they going to handle the physicality of Enterprise? They've done it so far. Last couple of years, they've had Enterprise's number. Um, but Enterprise this year looks to be the real deal, and, and they're looking to take that step. Them and Prattville are looking to take that step from, you know, looking to pull off an upset or, or, or something like that to contend and to be a two or a one seed in the playoffs and get a home playoff uh, game. And for that to happen, you got to beat Central or Auburn. And, and Enterprise gets Central at home, um, and they have to travel to Prattville, and they have to travel to Auburn. So if they want to win a region championship, this game is massive for the uh, Wildcats. We go to some fertile recruiting grounds for college football, of course, in Region 3 in the northern side of the state. There are two monumental matchups of undefeateds. Yep. Region Three's got four teams undefeated, and it's like a mini little playoff with all with all four of those teams taking on each other. Oak Mountain, Hoover, Hewitt, Thompson. There's some uh, some major games going on up north. Yeah, uh, when I was looking through the top ten matchups, it's uh, you know uh, uh, Thompson at one against Hewitt, four, two Hoover against nine Oak Mountain, three Auburn. Um, is on the road. Uh, four is cinch, or five is Central. Rather, they're at eight Enterprise. Um, so yeah, no, there's a lot of top ten, three massive top ten games in seven A. I'm interested in the in the Hewitt Thompson game, uh, and really the Hoover uh, Oak Mountain game, just to kind of see where everybody is. Thompson's beat the brakes off of people this year, and their skill is unbelievable. Uh, they got five stars all over the place. I'm interested if Hewitt's going to be able to hang with them early, which is what they did last year. Um, and, you know, if you, if you get Thompson in, in a little bit of a game late, how are they going to respond? Nobody was able to do that besides Auburn last year, and we saw how, how Thompson responded. they got a senior quarterback. they got playmakers all over the field. I'm just interested to see how that plays out. And then uh, Hoover and, uh, and Oak Mountain, that's a rematch of a playoff game from a year ago. I, I want to know what, what Oak Mountain's quarterback is going to be, do, be able to do in this game and, uh, and, and Hoover, see if they're able to, to be the contender for, you know, kind of weird saying that Hoover is the, the kind of the underdog in that region. But when Thompson's won back-to-back state titles, that, that is what it is. Uh, see, see if Hoover's ready to take that step and be the team that can go toe-to-toe. Because let's face it, it it's going to look like this region's going to go undefeated in the playoffs. 
and then it's going to have we're going to have the playoff matchups once again in the second round, and then this region battling for state finals appearance in the third round. Scott, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Tell everybody where they can hear the Auburn Jeff Davis broadcast tonight. Wings ninety four three. If you're in the Auburn Ovalica area, ninety four point three on the radio dial. WingsFM.com and and the Wings app and then uh airtime starts at 6 30 kickoff at 7 from crampton bowl scott i appreciate it my man i hope you have a safe drive thanks guys y'all be good that was scott bagwell auburn high sports network play-by-play announcer here with us on the friday edition of on the line some incredible high school football matchups taken on across the state we'll be back to wrap up the friday edition of the show when we come back On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Wrapping up another week of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Big thank you there to Scott Bagwell, Auburn High Sports Network play-by-play announcer for joining us on the Friday edition of the show. If you missed any of today's show, go and find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Lance, fun show today. Yeah, absolutely. Just getting really, just getting geared up for that Penn State Auburn matchup tomorrow. Of course, obviously, a lot of great college football surrounding that game. As we made, I believe, fourteen picks today. I think that's the most we've done so far in one show. It's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow with Auburn Penn State, though. As I, I said it to you a couple of times off air. Uh, it just seems like there's a lot of national media outlets out there that are just picking Penn State, citing the crowd, citing Bo Nix's road woes, and not really di- diving too too deep into it. But as you and I throughout the week have kind of taken a dive into some of the numbers and kind of what's surrounding these two teams and kind of wh- where their mentality is at, I feel like the crowd's going to be there. I feel like it's going to be a great atmosphere. But at the end of the day, I think SEC talent wins out. Before we get back into the Auburn-Penn State game, I want to send a reminder out there to folks. There's a big soccer game tonight. Now, people may think I'm crazy for mentioning this, but if you are an Auburn person, and the Auburn family very much so says, we love not just Auburn football, but we love Auburn, right? Auburn soccer is playing a massive game tonight, and it's against none other than the hated Georgia Bulldogs. That one, number 12 Auburn Tigers, they're 6-1 and one on the year. They had a massive win streak until it got snapped by the number one team in the country who they only lost to 2-1. to one. That was Florida State this past weekend. Big soccer game. It's tonight, 6-30 at the Auburn Soccer Complex as they host Georgia. I have always had an extremely good time going and watching Auburn play soccer, and this is a very good soccer team, so people should go out there and check it out. Are we going to be able to watch it on TV, like through through ESPN uh, Plus or SEC Network Plus I'm or sure, something like I'm, that? Yeah, I'm sure definitely on SEC Network Plus. I mean, every SEC sporting event you can find digitally, right? But I, um, I can only imagine, considering it's, it's, a, it's a top 25 soccer team, that they'll have it on SEC Network. I don't know if, on, if it's on national television or not, but I, if, if not, I'm sure you can get it digitally. But also, it's... It's very affordable to go to an Auburn University soccer game. And uh, I understand that people got stuff going on and whatnot, but try and find a way to uh, support that team. They, they, are, they are fun to watch, and they deserve, uh, they, do, they deserve a lot of respect in the polls. This is as good of an Auburn soccer team as I can remember. Head coach Karen Hoppe has that team rolling right now. Um, they, they are very talented and uh, got a lot of experience, got a good mix of experience and youth. There, there's a lot to look forward to for Auburn soccer in the future. But we got about five minutes left in our 
Friday edition of the show, Lance, final thoughts here, Auburn-Penn State. You and I both have Auburn winning this football game in our Saturday selections. You have them winning by eight, right? You said 19 to 27. Yeah, so you have them winning by a touchdown. I have them winning by 10. Take me through your pick. The reason that I think Penn State will score 19 is I believe that there are going to be a lot of drives that end similarly to what we saw in the Wisconsin game, which is somewhere around the red zone. They end up kicking a lot of field goals. I don't see them getting into the end zone very often in this game. Whereas for Auburn, I think they do enough. I think they control the tempo. Does Auburn go out there and score a ton of points? I don't think so because I think they're trying to control the clock, control the pace, and get Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter going. I mentioned this a couple of days ago. Auburn's currently 118th in the country in average time per possession uh, in a contest. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna finish this day with the ball more often than Penn State. I think that's going to be the determining factor. All right, let's give a key to this game. Both sides of the football for Auburn offense. Offense. I think there's so many different ways that you can go with this. I'm going to go out on a limb, something that we've not talked about before uh, this week, I don't think, is trying to get across the 50. If you can get inside your opponent's territory, number one, it's going to allow you more opportunities to score. And number two, it's not going to leave your defense with short fields. If you're going to control the clock, you're going to need to, it's going to allow your defense to catch catch their breath. That's a good point. And it's going to allow them to work with a longer field. So just get across the 50, establish that run game, do everything you can to get into your opponent's territory. And that goes hand in hand with my defensive point that I'll get to in a second. But Auburn wants folks to have to play with a long field and have to dink and duck them all the way down. That's how Auburn's defense is built but I'll stay on the offensive side before we get to the defensive keys offensive key for me I'll take it a step further than that yes very important that even when you're not scoring you know move the ball make sure that you are winning the field position battle right I will say finish drives that this is not I'm not here for field goals I know in my score I have baked in like four field goals to get to 26 right but um I, I finish drives score touchdowns do you think Anders Carlson is 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 rattled by this atmosphere at all because I don't think he is. Hmm. I think if you, if, I think it's if hard you, to kick on the road in a place like that. So I, I don't want to say rattled, but any kicker would say that it's difficult to do that. You give him four field goals. I think he hits at least three. Yeah. So I'll say that uh, he's playing well, and he's had some big kicks in his career. You ask me, rattled. Rattled's a strong word. Rattled meaning he went fifty percent on the. But day. a kicker, I think, would feel the effects of that environment. I think we'd be. We'd be foolish to say that they wouldn't that they would disregard it completely. That would be very that's a very adverse environment to have to kick field goals in. So I'm, what what I'm saying is is just like rattled as in like he makes half of his field yeah, goals. Yeah, I, I don't think he will be a detriment to Auburn. No, right. So I think I don't think he's going to be a detriment. Like I said, if you give him four, I think he hits three. Defensive side, here's my key: no big plays. Auburn limits big plays. They will limit Penn State to 16 points or less. Wisconsin limited big plays and well they gave up a couple of shot plays you know two downfield but in the grand scheme of things if there were only two big plays in a football game that's really not that bad Mm -hmm. of course one of them ended up being a touchdown maybe even both but Penn State only scored 16 against Wisconsin Auburn's much more athletic I think Auburn has a lot more to offer in big plays on the offensive side of the football as well so I think Auburn can score a lot more than Wisconsin I think Auburn has the potential to score a lot more on Penn State than Wisconsin did in this ball game my thing is you limit you take away Penn State big plays on offense which is what they want to do they want the play action they want the shot play to Jahan Dodson you take that away Penn State is going to have a very difficult time scoring because Auburn's going to set up get into a lot of cover three they're going to drop back into a lot of zone coverage and they're going to make you sustain drives this Auburn defense is too good 
for you to sustain 12 to 15 play drives. Take away the big plays. Penn State won't score more than 16 points, and that's an Auburn W. I'm going to say something that goes hand-in-hand hand with that with my for my defensive key. I'm going to say, like we've talked about so much, the pass rush has to get home. They've got to get a couple of sacks on Sean Clifford, or they have to at least affect him in the pocket to the point where he is either running for his life, not, not all the time, but or he is making bad decisions because he has been turnover prone in several games where the opposing team has gotten consistent pressure. I think in this game, if Auburn if Auburn stresses him out and they and they begin to collapse that pocket, those shot plays won't develop. And I think you may even get a turnover out of it. And turnover would be huge in this game because we know after seeing it over two games. Brian Harson likes to pick it, pick up the tempo and play aggressive after they get a stop or a turnover or something like that. You force a turnover on guys like Bo Nix and Sean Clifford, it sets the seeds of doubt in. Right. So another just key to throw in there, a bonus key if we want to, uh, who wins the turnover battle, that that will be decisive in this ballgame as well. Do you remember how in the 2013 Iron Bowl when they did keys, it was just like a list of like 40 different things. It's just like you essentially have to play a perfect game. I don't think you have to play a perfect game in this one, but you have to go on the road and you have to play sound. A clean game. Yeah. That's it for another week of On the Line. Folks up there in Pennsylvania, have fun, stay safe. Look forward to welcoming you back on Monday with a win here on the Plains. We'll see you next week, same time, same place. You know where to find us.